A quick hello and we're good to go. Welcome to the show, Dawn Anderson. I'm not singing back, Jason. <laughs> no, no, no. But I do have a great memory of sitting on the beach in Brighton and I made a song up for you, completely new, and you just looked at me as I was totally mad. Uh, and I felt very slightly embarrassed, but it stayed in the show. So if anyone wants to listen to that, it's a podcast episode from Brighton with Dawn, uh, which was phenomenally interesting, as all these conversations are. Thank you. Mm. Thank you very much. Right. Well, we're going to talk about color currents, um, a word you introduced me to, a very simple word that I probably already knew, but the meaning of it in this context and the context of SEO is really super duper interesting. And I do love this topic. But before we start, I was looking up CaliCube Tuesdays and we're getting more and more knowledge panels and they're getting richer and richer. And this experiment with WordLift of triggering knowledge panels using events is, is becoming um, what I had hoped it would be. And it's taken a year. It, we're at the year's anniversary. I thought it would be much quicker. But now we've got this, which is more, and you can go through and you see a list of CaliCube Tuesdays all linked to this particular event with Dawn Anderson. So I'm really pleased about that. It's moving forward quickly. And now onto your brand, sir, where you dominate with your Twitter and your photos. And lovely brand, sir. Bertie is down there in fourth place. Mm -hmm. um, I, I would argue it might want to be higher, but then that's me being difficult and pedantic about it. But then I did this and I searched your name and I looked at the, the results and we've got uh, teenagers from, I can't even read what it says there, teenagers, so it's a horror film. And I was oh, thinking, well, what? Yeah, yeah and, and it's actually uh, a woman called Dawn Brander. And I was thinking, why is that coming up? And the answer is because she was married to somebody called Anderson. So presumably her name at one point in her life was Dawn Anderson. Mm -hmm. And Google's made that association. I found that interesting because the knowledge graph over time, it's managing to get a better grip over time, except for the fact that if you don't know she was called Anderson at one point in her career, it doesn't make sense that that would come up. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Different databases clashing maybe. Yeah, I mean, from a user perspective, you kind of think, well, Google's being really clever, but it's actually being quite not very clever at the same yeah, time. No, exactly. It's not actually being very clever at all. All right, okay. I was trying to be polite to Google. <laughs> but th there is that thing of as they push forward and they say, we're understanding the world incredibly well, there are lots of these kind of quirks that come up. And I think there's a lot mm. of criticism in the industry about them. And I would argue it isn't really very fair in the sense that Google are trying to deal with masses of unstructured information, trying to make sense of it. Of course, they're going to get it wrong sometimes. Yeah. I did a talk a few, yeah, last year at um, Friends of Search in Amsterdam that was around right. equiprobability, you know, connecting Ooh. the probable dots. And that looked a lot at where structured data ends up colliding with each other. So they don't know which one to pick. So they end up making a mashup of a few of the wrong things. Like there was an example where um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle's head was on Michelangelo. So if you did, no. a, did a search for Michelangelo, it showed a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. There was another that, that had extracted... Vanilla Ice is death, even though he's still alive. Uh, right. There's quite a lot of examples where they pull data from different pools, pull it together, and it doesn't quite all match. 
So maybe it's some of that. Well, I mean, you, maybe they're maybe they're just being a bit over ambitious right now because they really want to push this forwards and they're willing to take the hit of being a bit looking a bit foolish sometimes. I mean, the thing about scheme markup, uh, do you consider that a lot of us are being not? I mean, us in the most general sense are being over complex about it, putting too much out there and getting it wrong and just confusing the machine more than we help it. No, I think I think um, I think if it's wrong, it'll probably just be ignored anyway. You know, so I don't think it'll be confused. I think it'll just, it's like a bit like when you put the canonical in and then you redirect um, the page that you canonicalize to. Well, it's just ignored. You know, the, the canonical chain is just ignored. It's invalid. So I think rather than confusing things, I think we end up maybe invalidating things by accident. That's so, a really good point. Uh, for, uh, sorry, I mean, the, the fact that we state something in schema markup or even in text, which is what we're going to be talking about today, can sometimes make Google think, oh, actually, I'm not sure about that anymore. Invalidate it, and it, it's removed from the knowledge panel. And there's maybe, a lot of discussion around yeah. in my little world of people saying, oh, this has disappeared, disappeared from the knowledge panel. And I think a lot of that is lack of confidence because of contradictory information. Or it's just incorrectly marked up. For instance, presumably, you know, it's a bit like any coding language. If you if you mark it up wrong, it's probably just not going to render anything. So, you know, it's right or wrong. It's very black and white, correct, incorrect. Ignore it if it's incorrect. So maybe there's a, quite a lot of that going on. Um, and then if we if we move into, oh. I was going to say so particularly when people try and move towards connecting linked data, I think. Yeah. The chances of it becoming more and more problematic and less valid increases because more noise, more room for error, etc. You know. No, I think that's a really good point. It's something I've been kind of pondering and thinking about, and I'm really happy to hear somebody say something along those lines that makes me feel that yeah. The more we try and make all these connections for the machine, the more likely we're we're going to make those connections incorrectly, and that perhaps being a little bit less ambitious wouldn't do us any harm. Uh, In some cases, perhaps, but I but I think I think it doesn't do any harm to be Ooh. ambitious. Sorry, Mike. Right, the sun turned the screen down then. Here I am back again. Right. So, no, I mean, yeah, I, 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 it's a great debate for me is saying, should I push further or should I be less ambitious and just try to be incredibly clear, I suppose, is what I was trying to say. I think um, I think there's nothing wrong with trying to be ambitious, but at the same time, make sure you get the fundamentals right first. You know, it's like anything, isn't it? Get the fundamentals right and then build on that and build on that. And, and it matters less if you're getting things wrong further down if particularly if it's stuff that search engines don't even support at this stage so there's a lot of like beta beta markup for instance that it's not going to really do you any harm at least if you practice and get it wrong because it's right. not opted anyway you know and maybe actually getting your copywriting right so that google actually understands what you're talking exactly. about might be a better target well, exactly that. And sometimes I think we can end up layering so much structured data on to really poor content in the first place. It's mm. not, uh, you know, it's like I was going to use a bad 
the sweary analogy then, and I think the English would know. <laughs> would know it's like polishing something that's not very good. <laughs> oh yes, I, I, I'm terribly prudish, so I'm very glad you kept that one uh, slightly, slightly not direct. But yeah. yes, yeah, it's like however much you mark up a page that doesn't have good information, it's not really gonna gonna do you any favors, is it? Brilliant. No, wonderful. And then, and then we move into the idea of the content. Then you say, okay, I've got this this content, uh, and it isn't very clear, and all the structured data in the world isn't going to save it. I need to be looking more at actually what's written in the page, look mm -hmm. at the content, which is actually what people see, and kind of that hopefully segues into the idea of co-occurrence and how we're writing and how we're expressing ourselves and how the machine perceives it. Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, moving towards that, direction in the conversation i'm a huge fan of one target you know one target i'm not saying build a page for every single query you're after no but when it comes to head terms for instance one target per intent is my is my advice usually and i see a lot of the time people competing with themselves yeah. um too much you know they try and create too many pages that that compete on the same intent they think oh well we must be every single informational need but they don't realize you can do that often in one great page um per intent if that makes sense yeah i mean so rather than looking at the different keywords looking at the intent of the query uh, and it's something kind of an industry we may we've been maybe fighting against or fighting with or fighting towards over the last few years of getting away from the idea of keywords and exact match and saying what's the intent of the user and how can I address that yeah but you still need words <laughs> and I think a of, you know I think a lot of people just think oh we don't need the words sometimes really? sometimes you don't sometimes you need very few words like on a brand homepage you, you're not going to need masses of words because it's brand homepage you know it's, mm. it's like the front door of the shop you don't need to necessarily have huge amounts of words on the front door of a shop do you you know it's a brand open home. what's that just the word open and your brand name and you're away exactly maybe your top departments or mm. you know it's really more of a kind of a it's like a navigation page almost isn't it it's like yeah this is us we're here and this is what we do type thing yeah, I mean, that, that homepage, I think kind of we often forget, it's not a destination in and of itself. It's a route through to another page on the site um, because once you're on that page, it's, it, I think we need to, as marketers, say, what does the, where do I need to lead the user to? Where does it, where, where can I, how can I help them get where they want to go? Yeah, I agree. And a, apart from on really big competitive head terms, we're actually, it's often the homepage of a site yeah. that's only the, the one that's strong enough to actually compete with everybody else. Um, which creates a, a problem, a, a parallel problem, which is you're saying, well, actually, the homepage should address the brand and it should address where the user wants to go, but you're yeah. forced to put all this content on to or forced to, no, to, to, to rank for the head term. Yeah, I, th I, think, I think a homepage is great for this is the brand and this is the big, big thing that we do. Yeah. yeah. This is the massive thing that we do. You know, we're, um, I don't know, a hat. We sell hats, yeah. So, mm. example, hats. Yeah. Yep. So, 
it's not super competitive that <laughs> I think it's something that's I don't know something ultra competitive that actually when you look at it if you see all the competitors are just ranking their home page it's because that's kind of this is what they are type thing yeah right yeah yeah it's it's that you know the big thing as opposed yeah. to yeah I mean hats is maybe not and wigs wouldn't have been a better example and nor would glasses um but we know what we're talking about now on to, yeah. on to co-occurrence i mean i remember you telling me that term and me thinking i don't see what that really means in the context can you just explain it in words of less than one syllable that i would understand uh well, it's back to the old you shall know a word by the company it keeps. Mm. It's like words that live together, words that add context, words that are kind of share similarities with other words, etc. Um, and not even so much words that you shall know a word by the company it keeps now, but you shall know a concept by the company it keeps. You shall know a thing by the company it keeps. I think that's all kind of just moved on a lot more now especially with some of the integrations with the knowledge graph. Yeah. Um, just in, in the world, things that are similar and connected tend to live together. That's it. You know? Yeah, no, and it, it, it is an incredibly simple concept that we get naturally as human beings, but when you actually look at your text, you kind of think, well, actually, I'm not bringing all these words to, together to create what Bill calls a, a context cloud to create something that's really, really clear. Um, but one thing I, I'm terribly intrigued by, I mean, you, you were a big kind of, you were talking a lot about Bert and your company it happens to be called Bertie, which if I understand correctly, was just a piece of luck. Yeah, it was, because my dog's called Bert. Right, okay, you didn't call him mum. No, I'm mum. <laughs> I'm mum to Bert. So we've got Bert, now we've got Bertie's mum, and Bertie's yeah. mum is Dawn Anderson. And somebody said it's a thousand times more powerful than Bert. Is that an exaggeration? Oh. Yeah. Sorry, I hope you can't hear my husband on the tap. No, 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 we're, we're fine. We're just we're terribly fine. intrigued and interested to hear. Right. Is so, mum really a thousand so, times more powerful? Right. So mum is years to months to years away. Yeah, so that's really important. Right. I think a lot of people think that mum is Bert, but bigger. If you look, mum is not like Bert. Bert mum is like Bert in that he uses the transformer architecture. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Right, okay. So, so actually, it's the transformer architecture that's the secret sauce, yeah. Bert is just the way, for me, that Google has kind of said, it made it easy for us to understand, like Bert, it uses the transformer architecture. And the transformer architecture has the whole transfer learning thing going on, which is where all the learnings go all the, through all the parameters. And in unsupervised learning, and just all the, all, the, um, all the learnings are fed forward continuously, so it's, con it's constantly learning. Mm. So I think it's going to be something a bit more like T5, which is Bert, but like Bert, but much bigger, more powerful. Maybe an ensemble of something like T5 Roberta, which is the Facebook more robustly trained Bert. T5 was trained on um, what they call C4, which is a huge cleaned dump of the common crawl, seven years of web data. The, wow. the web. And the difference between that. And Bert is obviously Bert was trained on Wikipedia, 
And Wikipedia is not a natural language, really, is it? No. I mean, it's very structured. Yeah. It's got all these headings. It's very well-connected. Whereas the normal web is the common crawl. So Yeah, it's our rubbish writing without any structure because <laughs> Wikipedia forces you to have structure because that's how Wikipedia functions. It's not and... very natural. In, in that it's more natural than manually labelling up corpora. But um but it's less natural than the web. The web at large is is the only way you're really going to understand conversational search, natural language per se. Right. So I think it's it's a long way away. For me, it all connects back to 2018 when Google said, this is the next 20 years of search. Mum is around connecting not just words, but different media around task-driven search, yeah? Right. And it's not going to be easy. So it's video, it's video, it's images, it's everything around tasks in a recommender system. So it's different, Yeah. Yeah, no, 100%. And, and that's really, really, really interesting distinction that I think a lot of us are missing. Uh, the fact that it's not here yet. I mean, I immediately thought, wow, this is a great new toy and how fun this years is. Where. It's months years away. It's so computationally expensive. They can't even they can't even efficiently run BERT without having to break it all up into pieces and type oh. passages, yeah? It's too expensive. They're only just really starting to work out ways in which you can... Um, run more efficient models like Albert and Distilbert and I saw something the other day that was about um, hashing hashing um, and hamming um, making, <laughs> hashing and hamming yeah making hashes of um, paragraphs and passages in, in Bert to kind of Make things really small, yeah. You, you mean you mean breaking it down into little chunks? Hashes, yeah, little hash tables, yeah. Right, which so, which is, I mean, just bring immediately brings to mind the indexing system using shards of of saying the the reason they can index such massive amounts of data and, and access it so quickly is because they break it down into manageable chunks that are related to each other in a way the machine understands so it can accept it access it quicker. Yeah. Well, yeah, similar. I mean, they use hashing hash tables as well for that. Right. So I mean, I'm sorry, I didn't mean it was a complete uh, yeah. equivalent. I was just saying it makes me think of that. And well, this was something I actually saw on Twitter uh, the other day. Actually, it was about hamming and hash layers. Uh, it was really quite new. Let me let me so share. Do we have it. a hashing hashtag? <laughs> let me share it there with you. Yeah, I was just looking at it and I had it up. Yeah on my browser the other day it's quite new and it's i mean they're at that stage where they're trying to find ways in which they can like consolidate and make things smaller to be more efficient in the first place so they're they're a lot they're a long way away from mum i think mum is a great concept and i can see that actually it's it's kind of moving towards this whole like the user is the query etc mm. just that whole like Query less, etc. So, right. I'm, ju I'm just showing now the the screen for the the hamming, which I think is amazing. Um, and we're looking at uh, Ikuya Yamada, who's talking about new neural passage retrieval with substantially reduced memory size. Um, and he's got a diagram saying hamming distance, which is delightful. Um, and I I think I mean I'll I'll share this in the in the program notes, but that link to that Twitter. Uh, tweet, Twitter, uh, whatever it is, conversation 
Uh, it's the kind of thing that you start digging down into and it's a rabbit hole you never get out of for the rest of the day. Is that fair? Yeah, it is. It absolutely is. And I think I think once you start to realise how, how many challenges there still are in that space, I think it, it's just really easy to think that BERT is a done deal if you're not really looking at that space too much. But in actual fact, it's it's ongoing and there's huge amounts of challenges to overcome the long form content is the big problem as well for instance how do they rank full documents with this because ideally this is well ideally this would be applied to every part of search i know that they've said oh well we're applying birth to everything but in reality it's probably looking at the second stage of ranking the, the later ranking stages that where they apply this hmm. is kind of more expensive methods um you, you i'm sorry the later i mean i actually half missed a lot of that because i was desperately trying to sort out my screens because the computer was crashing but you're saying that all of this expensive technology is being used in the later stages just for that final touch the cherry on the cake i would say so yeah yeah i would say so and right which is important to bear in mind i mean the idea that google can apply these expensive technologies to the entire mass of everything they collect is I think I, something I would have thought of, but very naive. Well, the fact that, I mean, they have turned around and said, oh, we apply to nearly every English US, every US English query. Well, that doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that they are using it to retrieve everything in the first stages, yeah. No. Particularly. I mean, every, every, every query nearly, apart from maybe true navigational ones like brand searches, they probably won't even need it for that because navigational queries presumably are so obvious that they wouldn't oh, yeah. need any kind of any kind of um, expensive machine learning to to work out where people Ooh. want to go. If they said the word Apple, you know, well, they might. If it was, they might actually for Apple. I used a really bad example there <laughs> because but actually. What, what is delightful is that I'm, my little niche of brand SERPs is not costing Google very much money. And I, I've, I said it to Glenn Gade the other day, brand SERPs don't get, as affected by the updates as, as most other areas. They're so easier I, to like, they're, 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 it's pretty obvious where people want to go. All right, so yeah, so I've picked the simplest niche in the entire SEO universe. Thank you very much. Um, quick message from Alessia Krobka, who says, lovely to see you, Dawn, talking about Bert and Mum. Oh, thank you. Yeah, so back, back to actually the topic, we've actually got through to 25 minutes without talking about the, the topic, which was the confusion um, aspect of co-occurrence. And, and if I understand correctly, you were going to talk about the cannibalization of co-occurrence, or am I mistaken? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think I think part of the challenge is people often, well, often I see the wrong page ranking on a lot yeah. of brands, you know, um, and a lot of the time it's because of misunderstanding. Well, I find invariably it is because of misunderstanding of which is the best page to choose from a cluster mm. of candidates, yeah. Now, obviously, Gary's spoken about this quite a lot of times, clustering and similar pages being clustered together, and it's in all the academia, etc. When you have a candidate group, you gather them all together, and then you just pick one, yeah. So often I see that that tends to happen when there's quite a lot of crossover between topics, yeah? Mm. So 
And a lot of dynamic content is the challenge as well. So you'll have maybe a hotel that is suitable for, I don't know, romantic couple, romantic getaway, but it's also suitable for walking trips, yeah. Mm. Well, some of this crossover I find actually can cause what, what, what I call just co- co-occurrence confusion, where you end up with the content that's connected to those pages kind of all becoming a little bit mashed up, really, the topical confusion, yeah. It's even worse when you have very similar – I always use the example of plumber and heating engineer, yeah. Right. Where a lot – and bathroom fitter, plumber, heating engineer, and bathroom fitter, they tend to often be the same sort of entity that does those jobs, yeah, but they're different names for the same things, yeah. Mm. So you'll end up with people maybe having a category for each, but actually the chances are – each of those are cannibalizing each other. So I often find if you cluster those together, every one of them suddenly is much, well, the big one is suddenly much, much stronger than all those parts which were cannibalizing each other, if you like. Mm. Co-occurrence confusion, yeah. And and you're saying, sorry, so a lot of this is to do with bringing these things together that, that we have been traditionally in SEO saying, well, this all belongs separately. It actually belongs together because the intent is the same. I think it, well, it depends on how many of that entity you have. Mm. Yeah. So if you've got masses of X, masses of hotels, romantic hotel trips, yeah, and you can build a really great collection and you can make sure that in that category, really, there's not a huge amount of crossover with, the walking hotel, walking hotels per se, not too much anyway. Yeah, there's naturally going to be some crossover, but when it becomes too much, I think what ha- tends to happen is you steal from your, yourself. You're stealing, right? Because and, of, and, go on. And my, my question there is, 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 it comes back to actually, is it because our our intent as human beings or what we're trying to, what we, what the page is presenting makes sense to us as human beings, but doesn't necessarily categorize itself sufficiently clearly for Google. And is the solution for us to write more clearly and categorize more clearly in our own heads what we're trying to serve? Or do we, we are we going to have to maintain that ambiguity and simply focus on one particular point, but keep the ambiguity for the people? I think the point is, the main point is, if you are aware of it, you can you can write to keep it much more either merge if you haven't got enough of a thing, yeah, merge and cluster together, yeah, if you right. have enough, yeah. If you have enough, then write with real clarity and keep things largely separate, yeah. Yeah, I, mean, I think writing with real clarity is something most of us have a great deal of problems with because what we think is clear isn't necessarily clear to a machine. I mean, the, the idea the machine doesn't have imagination, it doesn't have culture, it doesn't have a sense of humor, and it doesn't understand poetry. Um, so well, we're... There will be common words. There will be common words that um, that will go with certain themes. Walking holiday is going to be things like, I don't know, maybe you'd have muddy boots, You'd be talking about things like, I don't know, muddy boots, I don't know, your dog, um, hills, tired, (laughs) well, yeah, hills, um, roots, 
kilometers. I mean, I mean, you'd have that anyway in hotel search, but we well, have paths, not are not paths, are not roads, paths, trails, etc. Yeah. Whereas romantic break would be love, Valentine, hearts, whatever. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And, and you know, yeah, meals in the restaurant, romantic meals. Oh, I like all that. That's all delightful. Uh, well, oh, picnic in the in the trekking one. Sorry, I'm I'm getting excited about well, writing. That would be both, couldn't it? Oh, very good point. Yeah. Oh, oh. Then I think that's where really strong, really clear anchors are useful, massively useful throughout a site. And I think a lot of people still don't don't get those enough. They either they either get them too much and they go nuts. And they just almost like spam, or they get them, or they don't get them enough, and it's all they all click here, read more, etc. Yeah. In fact, funnily enough, I I saw something the other day which seemed to be quite a bold row that was going on in the the IR space that I was watching, where somebody who was a really notable IR researcher was talking about how page rank was less important to Google. Than the anchors, you know, you know the anchor text because the anchors yep. are actually much more powerful. Uh, I'll find it if I can. It was it was a it was a raging debate. They were all going on, and I'd have to I'd have to dig it out. But um, but it was on Twitter actually. Right. Oh, you like Twitter? And would 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 kind of the idea of saying, well, if I can get my words of co-occurrence and the things that really make clear the context that I'm talking about into my anchor text on the links, I'm going to be better off. I think, well, I think it helps a little bit with the, I think it helps with co-occurrence, hmm. avoiding co-occurrence confusion. I think, I think the, the anchors are a really good way to help with disambiguation. Yeah. Because, I mean, an anchor basically says this specific aspect of this topic is dealt with over here. Follow this link to find it. Exactly. And that, that's one way to kind of start to separate things out. I mean, it's hard when you have, when you do have topics that share really, really, really common common themes and common words like gas fitter and plumber because they are literally used interchangeably a lot of the time. Or, you know. would, you, would you not end up with a context cloud or list of co-occurrent words for one and another where, in fact, just one or two would be different, but that could be enough to distinguish between the two pages? Uh, I think it depends. Sorry, I, I it always depends. No, brilliant, wonderful. I mean, I, I was kind of I'm thinking. As well have, of, I think you. I think it. I think it really does depend that because it's not just about the two pages. It's about all the other signals, the legacy signals, the cruft. If you've changed the name of it over the years, or what other what other content do you have on that topic in the site, etc. What's pointing to it? I really like the point about legacy signals. I mean, if we can dig into that a little bit, how important are they? I mean, all of this legacy stuff that, that Google's got in its memory, let's say, um, how hard is it to get away from that legacy? Sorry. I think it takes, well, I think it can take a long time to get away from legacy. Um, you know, when I look in Search Console on a number of projects or any project, I'll always, if a site's older, you'll find URLs visited that are ancient. You're talking five, six, seven years yeah. ago, you know. And um, and I think obviously we know that there's 
there is a measure of importance in priority in crawling. There's these whole stacks and queues going on, etc. Um, so sorry, my phone there. Oh, God. Switch it off. <laughs> Apologies there, Jason. Thankfully, right. I hope it wasn't the gas fitter ringing, ringing up to come round and fix your gas fittings. <laughs> I think, sorry, no. I think there's an awful lot of legacy that people just think, oh, well, that was in the past, but it's never in the past because, you know, once something's been visited, it's, it, it, it's part of the makeup of that site. Sure. Which brings us nicely back to Dawn Brander, who was called Dawn Anderson at one point and therefore gets this confusion with your name. That legacy is is terribly, terribly visible there. And he's saying, well, you, you can't ignore your past, however what far away it is. What you call Dawn Brander? I think it was Dawn Brander. I honestly can't I remember. What, I get a lot of clicks for the, for the query Dawn Marketing. So I wonder whether Dawn Brander, Dawn Marketing... Do you used to be married to Anderson? Brand, brander, marketing? Oh, wow. Mo, Google's starting to make some very interesting connections. That's, that's an interesting point as well, is, is Google starting to go a bit, a bit mad? Well, I think the more they rely or try to rely on natural language, the more probability determination and prediction comes into it than like Boolean, like, is the word there or is it not there? Or I remember right. Paul I was doing a video that, that talks about lots of um, synonyms were just all this, all that, all the other kind of bitwise yeah. and pairwise type approaches where if it's this, so I think I had a picture somewhere of it that I'd taken before. I don't know, I can't find it now. But anyway... Ultimately, we're saying something like, I think it was General Motors or GM something meant this or this or the other. So I mm. think the more they move away from those, which are Boolean-type queries, to guessing, in a way, the more they can slightly get it wrong. Yeah, which is a, a beautiful way to end it. I mean, I would have loved to have talked about the probabilistic bloody bloody blue, whatever that word would be. Uh, but I'll have to have you back for that because that's definitely worth a 40-minute chat like today was. Thank you very much, Dawn. That was absolutely delightful. I love the idea that as Google moves away from the the the, the uh, binary true-false idea of things it's going to spread its wings and sometimes look a bit foolish and maybe we could cut it a little bit of slack and not be too rotten with it um next week hannah thorpe will be here strategy tactics or just doing stuff with one f which i noticed just as i was putting this up that we've done the design with one f but it makes sense if you say I thought, it well that was input on purpose jason so yeah, well, it, 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 I would like it to have been, but it's just me being kind of inattentive. So strategy, tactics, or just doing stuff mm. works a treat. How lovely. Thank you very much, Dawn. A uh, quick yep. goodbye to end the show. Thank you, Dawn Anderson. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks a lot. <laughs>